Hello, welcome. You are listening to On Resistance Radio. We're continuing our series on tactics. We did a show first on strikes, and then we did a follow-up show on self-organization. And now we're talking about blocks and what are they, how are they formed, and how are they being used. You can catch our shows online on soundcloud.com slash on-resistance. Hello, this is Bobby. This is Jay. So we're going to just get into discussing blocks. When I think of a block, I just think of it as a tactic, a type of form that collective action can take, that collective participation can take. And there's also, you could have shared goals, you could develop goals that you want to do as a block, whether it's at a gathering or like a mass protest, or if it's a defensive block, or if you have a more specific goal than that. Kind of tying it to the last show where we talked about self-organizing and affinity, being with people that you're in affinity with, mobilizing with each other to have some sort of solidarity, either as a way to protect against something or as a way to be able to um, collectively go after something. And I'm obviously being purposely like careful with my language. So some of the examples of building on that blocks, for example... Let's say that a call was made to shut down a port, for example. Then a block might form. Many organizations and people would participate, I think, in something called like a shutdown, which would probably have different layers like gathering people, maybe vehicles, maybe different locations for food, for logistics. People might have speakers and performances. But then it's like, what does it mean to take it beyond just the rhetoric of shutting down a port and actually prepare tactically to actually shut down an area or a a port, as an example, in order to block commerce? In order to do that, a block is a good way of forming through, like, various affinity groups. That way, like, for example, you wouldn't have to plan with people that you don't know directly. You could plan within an affinity group of people that you trust that are willing to take action to shut down an area and then decide to coordinate with other groups depending on what degree of trust you have. And you might, as an affinity group, choose to focus on bringing barriers or barricading. And maybe actually a couple, two, three, or four affinity groups would focus on barricading a space. And the the fifth affinity group might want to do medic stuff or cop watch or provide support in other ways. So I feel like blocks provided an extra layer of organization where we can actually tactically figure out how to do certain things that we want to do. I mean, I think that's going to happen with all of these shows. We're going to spend time focusing on maybe like a specific um, tactic, but how they all kind of interlink with each other. Because, you know, when you were talking about if you wanted to shut down a port, you know, but like actually at least like shut it down for longer than like maybe a couple hours or a day. And then that kind of made me think of our conversation on strikes and, like, what is necessary to sustain a strike. Um, And so it's like, well, okay, if we're talking about blockades and not just, like, forming, like, a a block within that blockade or within, you know, a march or a protest, then that would take planning almost very similar to a strike. It would have to take, like, layers of, you know, protection. Yeah, so say if you wanted to, I don't know, block a bridge and you want to stop people from being able to go in or out of a city. That would take layers. That would take a block from like the entrance of the bridge 
a block from the other side of the bridge so that like you know police or whoever else couldn't like enter and then it would also take scouts throughout the area and then it would also take you know like solidarity efforts within the both sides of the bridge to sort of kind of disperse the concentration of um, the police attention on other places so that they're not able to all concentrate on just like the blockade. There's layers to what it would take to be able to have something like that. And um, and if you wanted to like be like, no, we're shutting down the city, you know, like say if you did somewhere where a city where, you know, bridges are the only way you can go in and out, then like you can, you can enforce a general strike that way um, by using blockade. There's layers to it that would be necessary. You also have to be directly organizing with everyone involved because that would be impossible. Hopefully there'd be like at least some like trust within whatever immediate section of the blockade that you are participating in. Or even the block, like it's kind of hard to, but... I don't know, you think about all these like large blocks now that are happening, you know, they are getting infiltrated. It's kind of nerve-wracking, like for me, I don't know if I would feel comfortable participating in a block where it's going to be a bunch of strangers. Especially not when they're trying to like do mass arrests and get everyone for whatever charges like people do, like, I don't know. That's kind of nerve-wracking now. Yeah, infiltration is a really big thing in terms of participating in a block. I think it depends on like how self-organized is the block going to be because there's there's context there's like what situation are you engaging with what is the goal and the outcome you want and to some like a block can be just a series of individuals it can be a less self-organized block where you know you're all showing up and maybe a couple group within that block have planned out some stuff but for the most part it's a public call to action anyone can show up and you know you might all be masked up and able to collectively move as a force but within that block there's going to be elements and sometimes infiltration shows up in different ways so sometimes that definitely look out for undercovers also look out for undercover white supremacists and racists and homophobic queerphobic people that are going to just come in and you know go with the momentum without having any you know cultivated relationship to the outcome or whatever if it's like a, a block at a larger liberal protest, like it's going to be way less self-organized. People are just going to show up and maybe move and have a spin-off march or something. But if it's a more self-organized block and there's a shared, a general shared purpose, like shutting down the entrance to uh, an area or a business or something like that, then you might have some degree of trust, some links between your groups. You might have, basically it's like a block to me can be a series of small groups working together at the same time and increasing our capacity and the outcome of the tactic, whatever tactics we're taking while in a block. So then if there's some links between some of the groups, then you can coordinate it. And so what happens is if it's at least semi-self-organized, when there's extra people that show up because it's a public action, it's like really noticeable if they're trying to cause an issue. So it's like it can be semi-self-organized and, you know, one, we never want to act like we recognize each other in a block. <laughs> there's a couple <laughs> things like we don't want to come up to people that we recognize that might be anonymous currently and like, hug them or because there's surveillance happening all the time so if I feel like when a block tactic is taken there's other things that we kind of have to prepare for. Just to touch upon this even though we're going to get into it more later when we discuss security culture 
but yeah, um, masking up and making sure like that you're not only covering your mouth and you know your nose, right? Because your bridges of your noses and you know your eyes and stuff is how the scanning process works. But also that you're covering whatever tattoos you may have, whatever piercings you may have. Um, anything that can be used, you know, scars, anything that can be used to identify you. In a lot of ways, like a march is a block. You know, it can be, it's a very liberal one. And no one said this block's doing anything like super intentional other than just marching, but in a form, it, it is that. I'm interested in looking at the recent blocks at liberal actions, kind of debriefing on that. Is this um, is this a good tactic to continue? Is this a good strategy to keep going back to? Because it seems right now like that's kind of the go-to, right? Like if something radical is going to happen, it's not just going to be doing it on your own as infinity groups, like some other stuff. If it's going to be like a mass call for other autonomous, anti-status, even Antifa, whatever you want to label yourself, is it just going to be making calls for blocks and then showing up at day of actions and doing some property destruction, fighting the fascists, and then go home and that's it? I don't know. I'm just interested in reviewing the tactics, you know, because I feel like the kind of a cycle where it's like we see things and it's like, well, that's what you do. That's what radicals do. Radicals go to actions and we wear all black and we mask up. And these are the certain designated stuff. But like, what's the point? What is the intention? And, you know, maybe the intention is just disrupting and that's fine. I don't know. Maybe that's just where I am in my process of like things right now. It's like, I want something more than just that. I appreciate that. I feel like it has been disappointing as well, especially like the to do separate things or to try to have a presence at larger liberal gatherings. I feel like us going to, it's like one of those things, like if I'm going to go to a march, which I don't even want to go to marches anymore. But if I'm going to go to a march, then I would like to go in a block. Not because it is or has been now the uh, very effective, but because, like, one, it's a hostile space. So creating a, a micro space within the larger space feels like at least part of one of the only ways to participate. But also, what is the intent of a block, too? Because is it just to create a space within the larger space or... I think if it was disruptive, then it would be valuable. But it's frustrating when you go in a block and it's not disruptive. Then we're just fitting into it and giving radical imagery. Well, Mm -hmm. maybe not giving it, but they're going to take that radical imagery and continue on their state-sponsored mission. And we're just, I just end up feeling used. So it depends, yeah, how... Are we willing to be confrontational when we are, are in the capacity of a block? Are we willing to disrupt? And it is exhausting to disrupt. I think what we can do, because liberalism is controlling so much stuff, is we can agitate. And I think agitating, maybe it's a strategy or a tactic, but it shows up in so many different ways. Yeah, it brings back the age-old question is like, is it worth derailing liberal spaces? And not even just there, though, it's like this whole thing now where everyone's, you know, the pro-Trump, quote-unquote, white people and, like, the anti-Trump white people. And I'm not erasing the fact that, like, there are non-white people there. There are non-white people that are at those spaces. But there also is a lot of white people who are at these spaces. For at least of what I've been seeing, it's a lot of, like, same sort of, like, 
thank your Antifa for defending you against like the Nazis or, you know, the brave Antifa who stood strong. And it's just like very like same rhetoric of soldiers, you know? And I really feel like we're, people aren't really deconstructing that. And like it's all white people being able to distance themselves from their own white supremacy that was being checked more before Trump got office, right? And so it's like a way to sort of be like, no, look, I'm the good white person. I fight fascists. And so larger picture, because like in reality, the block was like, if I'm in a block and I'm in a march and I'm with like surrounded by white people, guess what? Block should be attacking all the white people. <laughs> it's like, that's who my oppressors are. That's who's, you know, who's the violent antagonist. It's not just this one group. Like, where's the block when I have to walk home? and I have to get like harassed or where's the block where I have to deal with anti-blackness and like sexism and like heteropatriarchy, when's the block then, you know? And so I think it's kind of deconstructing these things that we only see as these certain images, you know, like only a block is only when you're an all black in a parade with like, or parade, huh? <laughs> or march, same thing. I really, <laughs> but like, um, that's only a block, but it's no like, let's weave these tactics into our everyday life have solidarity with people and have that same energy that you come with with richard spencer you better come that same energy with your cousin which you're like you know your friend yourself <laughs> you know your significant other like you know your boss when you see stuff happening to your coworker, like bring that same energy other than when it's just like the white supremacists that we are that you know to call white supremacists because all white people are white supremacists and i've talked about that a lot and i'm not gonna break that down so if that what i just said bothers you you can like find my writing or you can go listen to our shows where we talk about white supremacy and anti-blackness a lot and learn definitely the dynamics of the fascist gathering and the response to the fascist gathering and then it being selectively kind of like applauded when there's like so many instances of fighting white supremacy that are happening all the time. There's been a lot of back and forth on the block in that specific case, gathering the block. And now they're even not even just neo-Nazi rallies. They're just like patriot rallies. I mean, I know I'm spending a long time talking about like Antifa, but I don't know, like CC McDonald isn't considered like someone that like fought fascists, you know, like that's not given like the same attention. There's people in jail right now who were fighting to defend themselves, not just theoretically, not just like going to meet some other like people to like throw down, like no, they're walking home and they were getting jumped and they were trying to defend themselves and now they're in jail and it's like, well, where's that same support there? Again, it's that same imagery of like why I don't really like labels. It's like, what do you, what, who gets to be these things? Like, what gets to be decided to be worth people's support and time and effort? You know, we just had May Day. We're pre recording this, so May Day was yesterday for us. And so, what was that? Like, cool. Yeah, stuff happened. Like, but like, and then everyone goes up to the next day and it's just like, but once a year we do stuff. I don't know. I just, it doesn't sit right with me. And it just, I always feel so disempowered on those days because, like, I'm supposed to be happy. Like, people were saying Happy May Day to me, and I'm like, Happy May Day? <laughs> like, what? Like, was I supposed to get you a card? Like, you know, like, what is this? And it's just, it, I feel like that's that's why we don't move. That's why there's, this is not a movement, because we've been just stuck in the same place living in history. All we do is look back and live in history, and, like, you should just read the same people. Like, you're reading... People are reading people who have 
who didn't know what internet was, who didn't have drones and surveillance and, you know, who were never having to be challenged on their anti-blackness and white supremacy because of the privilege and the time that they grew up in. So you can't even say you knew that this person wasn't a racist or if this wasn't a classist because they didn't have to challenge themselves on it. It's not the same culture as now where at least like black people are given more of a space to out, like openly like speak out against it, you know? It's easier to specialize the definition of white supremacy under certain recognizable things, which erases all the other forms in which it takes. And it's actually been used against people that someone thinks that because they have bashed a fascist once that they know more about white supremacy or that they have done more to end white supremacy while not checking their own in, their own white supremacy, their own practice, and while using it, using those experiences just because you fought fascists to silence and actu actually contain to perpetuate racism. And whiteness can always reorganize itself. And so as movements grow and challenge ourselves, whiteness, I feel like with the Antifa, can reorganize itself as just another form of gatekeeping. Although I do think the battles are getting more frequent, for sure. It's kind of intense. I guess I'd feel differently about it if, you know, it was like that white person with the dreads who got punched. And there were people who were getting mad that people were calling out that they had dreads. And it was like, oh, are we really talking about like someone's hair choice and it's that. Like, how long have we been? Come on now. You know, so if you're a white person with dreads at this point, you know that and you don't care. And so if you don't see the relationship between that and the other white supremacists, right? Because you're distancing yourself from that. You're not that white supremacist. And that's why it bothers me because it's hollow. It's, you know, it's people fighting each other, but I'm like, but what are you doing when you go home? Is that like, what are you doing in the everyday that's like outside of those parameters of that action? I used to always hate it early on when people would be like, yeah, but the movement's inside, you know? Because I, I feel like when people say that, they usually mean it in a very liberal, like, you know, you just gotta change your mindset. But it's like, no, like, honestly, internal deconstruction is very aggressive. It is very difficult and it's work that you will do to the day you die. That's an active thing you have to do and it's like, I don't know. I don't know if that's happening. But back to blockades. <laughs> <laughs> um, like speaking of all that, it would be cool like if we created defensive protection groups in networks. Like even like when you go out with your friends, just to walk with each other to the metro stop or like walk with each other to the car and then drop the other person off the car or whatever, like that's a block. You know, that's a protect and safety block. And so just on the more micro level in our individual lives, how can we implement these things so that we're protecting each other outside of just intentional political spaces? Yeah, that's that's great. Definitely more intentional blocks in all forms of our life in which oppression exists and is rooted. When you brought up deconstruction, I feel like that's a tactic. Like that's, I mean, it's also a strategy, but in its own and I was thinking about us recording this too and like how, you know, there are tactics that come to mind and then within those, it's really layered. It's really layered because you're taking multiple, if you're taking taking a tactic of like, oh, I love to do blocks and you don't have any, you know, intentional reflection that comes after that. Because deconstruction, I think, is reflection and willing to like kind of reflect on yourself and see where and what ideas are taking place and question yourself and see what where that's rooted. But if you're taking action and then like you don't even have that practice about that action, you know, because like it's like about yourself, like, yes, deconstruct ourselves, definitely, because of all the things that are learned 
and performed and done. But also, if you're going to plan a block, you have to have a practice of reflecting on how that goes and seeing the impact and honestly looking at the impact. And obviously, things are going to go go off on a day of action or hopefully on rolling days of action. And as we continue to have these confrontational reorganizations of challenging power in space, hopefully this continues to happen. But there has to be like, one of the things about the block is also the debrief. So (laughs) that's awesome. I had written it down. Just a practice of debriefing and um, reflecting on like, within your affinity group, within your links, to whatever degree, you know, because obviously there's surveillance that is high, but for yourself and for your for your own practice, questioning, reflecting, regrouping. It used to be, like, built in. If you were having a meeting and you were facilitating a meeting, then afterwards people facilitating the meeting would have a debrief about the meeting or, like, you know, we used to do debriefs about the shows. I think it's it shows, like, reflecting. Yeah, like, I think you can get lost sort of a a wheel of like you're just doing things because it's been what's done and you're not really asking like well why are we doing this and what's the point of doing this and what is the goal and like you know where are we trying to head to and like is this helping that happen and I think like the reason why that doesn't happen is because that's a it's a conflicting question and it um it can it can be really disempowering which is why I always kind of feel like I end up in despair because I do think like well what is the point of that okay well if that happens then well this will happen and if this happens then that will happen and it usually you know it has like a ends with repression because resistance will always be met with repression but that's still good because then you, you know at least you're acknowledging it you're not just kind of doing the same stuff to just do it because like like there's radical propaganda and I use the word radical. I don't like using the word radicalist term. I just, I don't know what words to use anymore. Because, <laughs> like, liberals have co-opted so many things. And, like, you, you know, um, there's, like, this element of, like, anarchists, autonomous anti-statist people. And, like, the propaganda for it, stuff burning, fist in the air, you know, like, riot porn. Like, what that people call it riot porn. Like, you know, just, like the conflict with the cops and like that's just like that's the imagery you see all the time all the time all the time and like and that's it that's just it and like I don't know I'm I think yeah that's an element to me that's gonna have to happen no matter what but like I want that to happen because I'm trying to build an autonomous community and through having to like you know, demand a rent strike and not have an eviction happen, that, you know, that conflict is going to happen because they're going to try to breach the blockade, you know, or, like, the barricades versus just, like, doing it and then... Because there's real repercussions, right? There's repression. And repression is real. Repression is, like, is very disempowering. You know, it's more than just the arrest. Like, we've mentioned this before. Like, you know, it's it's the court. It's the legal. It's the probation. It's the... it's all the intel they gather after they arrest you, it's, you know, you're marked, you're, you're burned after that. So I feel like, you know, the risks are great. So like, if you're gonna do it, like let's, it should be for something, right? And I'm not saying it's not for anything, but for me, I'm a lot more careful about where I place myself and what I'm willing to risk. It's not gonna be at a liberal march, I'll tell you that. And that's not to discourage other people, I'm just talking about where I'm at. If people have the desire and energy to agitate and disrupt in all the spaces, the liberal spaces, I mean, it's still it's still a strategy. I just feel like through the course of those actions have become traumatized and it's difficult to continue to take them when I know that the pattern is 
disrupting it and then you just having to absorb all of the repercussions with a very exhaustible support system of us supporting each other. The tactics is like, well, one, definitely no pre-planned arrest or civil disobedience because if you resist, they will come for you. So there's no need to get arrested on purpose, which I learned the hard way. I don't really want to take all this risk at liberal events just to prove a point to people, to convince them of something vague I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, the repression comes. A lot of the times people are just trying to hold space. Like a lot of the times someone, like let's say there's a barricade because, for this is another example, there is a UC Board of Trustees meeting and they're about to raise the, the fee on, on a bunch of people. And so people create a barricade to prevent the people from actually meeting so that they cannot make that decision at that moment. A lot of times the barricade, sure they'll put imagery of like, you know, fire and all this stuff, but the barricade is not really violent. And yeah, so they like to call certain tactics violent, but really usually a lot of the times people are putting things in place to like hold space for an intention, which is whether for people to gather and decide and determine for themselves what they need in that moment, to check a power structure, to change a space, or to prevent a meeting or something that is harming them. And through that, the response to that, the repression to that causes conflict. And then the people who are resisting get blamed for the conflict repeatedly, repeatedly over and over and over again. And a block in any form, in whatever grouping it comes, like defensive. Like, and also, like, let's say you don't want to disperse. Or let's say there's about to be a kettle. Just to throw out those other examples in which a spontaneous or self-organized block would be really useful. And it might look like conflict, it might look like confrontation, but really it's defensive because if not, the people, the cops can mass arrest 200 people and gather intel on them and charge them and continue to persecute them. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that like it was a trauma. I think that's so important because I feel like that's lost. Um, I think a lot of people have talked about these things in theory or they have like, have only recently kind of like started being involved in these sort of tactics and so their energy level is going to be different their perspective is going to be different I was thinking you know about it this morning yeah I still have trauma from like you know years of having to like interact with the police but not just the police but interact with like liberals and like other like white people around me who did nothing when like you know when I was either being like targeted by like the police are targeted by like other you know liberals or like and so there's not a lot of trust in the fact that me taking that risk is going to be worth it you know because what support is going to be there other than my like already exhausted community yeah that's where my perspective is coming from i i feel like i've just it's um trauma isn't talked enough about like the i don't like to say disorder but like the post-traumatic stress of like you know, being involved and doing and witnessing things, there's a lot of trauma to that. And uh, your perspective on what tactics you think work because you've seen they haven't, right? Like, I feel like, like there's still 40 hour work days and like we're celebrating something that people thought. So, you know, people like, what growth has happened? Like, what growth has, like, that should the focus should be. The focus should be like, well, whoa, like, what have we pushed? So that work is eliminated. Like we haven't eliminated work yet. So obviously like we haven't done much enough to push it, right? And like that's okay to say, right? We can we can be self-critical. Just sort of 
reevaluating things and like I don't know like I would love to have a block of people who are interested in like figuring out how we can coexist with each other and creating layers of elements to plan for the inevitable resistance that will happen by trying to do that. So like, I'm really interested in figuring out how I don't have to pay for housing, how I can have food, um, and how I can be able to feel safe to walk around by myself. I would love to start there. <laughs> and like, you know, I'm interested in like blockades and in that sense of a way. I feel like there's plenty of shows where you're gonna hear glorified versions of just a, one single idea of a blockade. You'll hear lots of that. And if you want that, then go for it. But like, if you're interested in maybe like questioning that and critiquing and deconstructing things, then like, yeah. The series on tactics is interesting for me because it's it's important. It's my way of also reflecting on it. Even assessing things like, I feel like there's a practice of assessing the situation, creating tactics or strategies, practicing them, trying them, not just staying the theoretical debate. And leftism a lot of times stays really in the theoretical debate and doesn't actually look at how the ideas being promoted in leftist circles practically apply or don't even touch or even apply to people's lived struggle. Just like that practice of bringing in different tactics, practicing them with with reflection on diving deeper into tactics and not just taking one or two narrow looks at it, like pro or against, but kind of just looking at the practice of these tactics and how they change their effects change based on how they're used, who's using them, what situation, not divorcing it entirely from the individual because yeah, people bring their own social practice to whatever tactic they're taking. And so if people are collaborating with others through a block or through self-organizing for a strike or through an affinity group, you really want to talk about like what are our tactics and is deconstruction one of those? Is debriefing one of those? And kind of like in the last one, like how are decisions made? (laughs) Uh, I mean, some of these things, it's like, I guess it's really not safe to assume. Yeah, because it's like, you can have a blockade, but like, how are things going to run within that blockade? How is like the facilitation process of like the coexistence within the blockade going to work? How are you going to check an informal hierarchy? Yeah, if you're not deconstructing your stuff and like there's been blockade actions that I have just never felt comfortable going to because of the anti-blackness and because of the patriarchy and like, you know, and the dynamics that were there and like the individuals who are there. So it's like a blockade, is, it's not concrete it's individuals making up force but like within that force is still individual personalities and individual like behavior so like those behaviors are very important so that's why this whole idea that like identity politics is like divisive or not important you know or not related to the like tactics it's like no it is it's like very much so because those elements come up when you're doing something and i'm sorry but like i don't want to be like you know in a situation where, you know, I have to worry about the state and I have to worry about the person who's next to me, like who I'm supposed to be in solidarity with me or supposed to have an infinity. And I just want to say also, it's like, yeah, you know, it's like leftists who live in theory, but like white anarchists who also live in theory and white anarchists also being in this sort of safety place that leftists have where it's like, well, we're leftists, we're not liberals. Yeah, let's keep talking about liberals, liberals, liberals. Okay, yeah, let's keep talking about leftists. Oh yeah, those leftists are horrible. Okay, yeah, but hey, guess what, anarchists, like white anarchists, like you're doing a lot of the similar stuff, you know, and non-black anarchists as well and so it's like anti-blackness is still like an issue you know 
as much as I dream of the global autonomous movement, I still know like no one is really trying to construct and like deal with anti-blackness. We're all also not really dealing with like transphobia. We're all not really dealing with like our hetero patriarchy and we're all not really dealing with our ableism or if you are a settler or not. You know, there's just like all these elements that affect how we interact with each other. There's so much that it takes to like work with and deal with that. I just think there's so many more layers and things are so much more complex than that can be fit and that will look pretty on a banner, you know, or that will like look cool to watch in like a 30 second video clip. You can take all these tactics, but what space is being created? And let's say you take all these tactics, like a blockade and a strike, and then, but what is the, what is the energy of the space? What is the dynamics that are present? Like who's, who's running it? Is it being run? Just because these tactics can be maybe more confrontational, that doesn't automatically, like, just because it's a blockade doesn't mean it's a revolutionary blockade. That's a strong word. I feel like don't use it a lot. But just because it's an autonomous zone doesn't really mean it's an autonomous mm. zone in those, in those ways. So, yeah, it kind of brings up the naming thing, too. Is like we're just in this habit of naming things something because we want them to be so. But what is the actual dynamic? What are the steps being taken to undo the stuff preventing us from having horizontalism? Because I feel like it's not even like, how do we create horizontalism? It's like, how do we see all the things that are not horizontal mm -hmm. and like try to interrupt them while holding a blockade? Challenging, but definitely necessary for part of the practice, for all the practice, for all the tactics. So that was our discussion on blocks and tactics, part of our series on tactics. We have our past shows on soundcloud.com slash on-resistance. You can find us on Facebook, and you can find us on Twitter, on Resistance LA. We're also on Tumblr and on Gmail, on resistanceradio at gmail.com. We will be back next week 